Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Neora Fit. They say pictures are worth a thousand words. Let's look at some of the amazing results that Neora Fit users have enjoyed. Check out this guy. And look at what Neora has done for this woman. That's impressive. And check this out. Neora Fit goes way beyond weight management. Look at all these extra benefits. Neora also features plant-based skincare and hair restoration products. Contact my good friend Vaughn at YvonneSillNeora.com and check out all the ways Neora can improve your life. Enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you join that Facebook page. If you want to sponsor a podcast, please get a hold of us in the comments section. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams, and of course our favorite high school coach back for his third round, Joe Lamondola. And our special guest tonight, his story of perseverance and, and all that he overcame has just touched millions across the world, not just here in the United States, but worldwide. Um, in the World Sprint Championships, he has won a bronze, two silvers, two golds. He set eight different records in speed skating. He's competed in the 1984, the 1988, the 1992, and the 1994 Olympics. He was awarded the U.S. Olympic Spirit Award in 2004, he was inducted into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame. Please check out his charity website. That's djfoundation.org. His purpose is to fight leukemia. And, and if you're familiar with our guest tonight, then, then you know what that story is all about. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's our honor to have here American hero, Olympic gold medalist, Dan Jansen. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So Dan's going to be debating with us tonight, the greatest American winter athlete. Uh, we are not having hockey involved in this because uh, I'm sure people will be like, oh, Wayne Gretzky, or, well, he's actually Canadian, but, you know, so we're not counting hockey, Mike McDonald, Brett Hall type players, um, keeping it to the some of the other sports out there tonight. So afterwards, we'll have our Q&A with Dan, but we're going to start tonight with uh, – Bonnie Blair. All right, Bonnie Blair. So she was a she was a speed skater, and um, she was she was kind of small, five foot five, one hundred thirty pounds. Uh, this was why it might have been perceived as a disadvantage uh, compared to the uh, the Eastern Germans, who were a, a lot larger than she was. Uh, but that didn't phase her. She got, she qualified for the 1984, 88, 92, and the ninety four Olympics in nineteen eighty eight. She won the gold in the 500 meters and set the world record, uh, 39.10 seconds. And then she got the bronze on the, on the 1,000 meters. In 1991, 
she actually battled with bronchitis and it really affected her breathing a lot. And she was also mourning the, uh, the loss of her, her father who died from lung cancer. So she had a lot, you know, a heavy heart. She had some, you know, some physical issues. She battled back 1992. She won the gold in both the 500 meters and the 1000 meters. Uh, she became the first woman to ever get the gold in back to back Olympics. So then 1994, 1000 meter, not only did she win the gold, but she had the largest margin of victory in Olympic history in that event. So um, other parts of her career, world championship sprints. She's, she won three golds, four silvers, two bronzes. She's an 11-time World Cup uh, points championship leader. Uh, she won the uh, 1986 short track championship. Um, then you get to some of the accolades. She won the 1992 Sullivan Award winner, which is for the most outstanding amateur athlete, regardless of event. So that was a that was a heck of an honor. And then she became the first female ever in 1992 to win the Oscar uh, Matheson Award for the most outstanding speed skater performance. Um, 1994, uh, she won the Associated Press Female Athlete of the Year. I mean, that's across the board, everything. Uh, and in 2004, she was uh, elected to the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. Uh, after retirement, she was on the U.S. Board of uh, Directors for Speed Skating. And she's been a motivational speaker and, uh, and really has, you know, touched a lot of lives. So she is um, just, when you think of Winter Olympics, she is one of the first people that really comes to mind as, as very dominant and just an uh, all-around champion. So Dan, I remember watching all the Olympics that Bonnie was in, and it always kind of seemed like, you and Bonnie were, were the were the stories going on. Both speed skaters, I'm sure you have a, a lot in common with her. I'm sure you know her. You've spent three or four Olympics with her. So what are your, what are your thoughts on Bonnie? So, yeah, literally, um, I, this is how far back we go. I don't remember being alive without knowing Bonnie Blair. Um, <laughs> I, I've known her since uh, at least maybe six years old. Um, she is... I had, you know, I'm the youngest of nine kids. Um, and I always say, you know, I had five sisters. Um, Bonnie's like number six because I've known her so long. We trained together every day for about 12, 12 years. Uh, we lived under the same roof. Um, I can't, there's no female in the world that I'm closer to than Bonnie. So uh, for me, and to this day, my, um, my favorite and most exciting Olympic moment was uh, Bonnie's first gold in, in Calgary in 1988. When she, so that was, and uh, look, we're not, this isn't about me, but that's when I went, I lost my sister and I fell. And, uh, so I went back home for, for my sister's funeral and I wanted to get back to Calgary after the funeral because, uh, you know, well, quite frankly, because Bonnie was racing and I, I wanted to kind of get back, you know, with the team and, and Bonnie upset the East Germans, as you mentioned. Um, she she won that 500 by two one hundredths of a second. And I needed something so badly to <laughs> lift my spirits, and and our whole family did because Bonnie's kind of uh, a member of our entire family, and and she did that, and it was as I said to this day that my my favorite Olympic moment of all time. So let me, let me ask you, you and Bonnie were both doing great things at, at the 94 Olympics, you know, both had a great story coming out of that. Do, do you feel at all that maybe like the whole 
Nancy Tanya thing that was going on kind of took away from some of the better stories we could have had in that Olympics? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was a – well, look, there's two ways to look at that. So, uh, yes, in answer to your question, it was – you know, the media focused on, on that when there was a lot else going on. On the other side of that coin, it, uh, it to this day is the most watched Olympic Games in history. And that's also a reason because people were tuning in to see what was going on there. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It was a strange time being in the Olympic Village with both of them in there and, uh, you know, just just strange. But uh, we, we had, had our jobs to do as well. And, and we ended up doing them pretty well. Back to Bonnie, have, have you ever raced her? <laughs> well, like I said, we train together every day. So Bonnie, and she would tell you this if she was on, like she would give myself and, and Nick Thomas, my teammate, uh, a lot of credit for her success because we, so Bonnie would uh, sit behind us in practice and, and we would lead out the workouts and she would, she would hang on in the back. Now she's drafting behind us, but, but we would take Bonnie to speeds that she could never get to on her own. And so she learned how really to handle those speeds. And uh, it was, it was nice. You know, it was, I think any, any female, if, if they can train with, with the males who are, you know, stronger, going faster. So I think it's, they should do that. It's, it's a huge benefit. Give her my info. We'll get her on. Don't worry. <laughs> There's never a shortage of shows. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next athlete. That's going to be Peggy Fleming. Okay, so Peggy, uh, Peggy was born July 27th, 1948 to, um, in San Jose, California. Um, when she was at the age of nine years old, uh, she would, her father would take her, um, her and her three sisters skating. Um, in 1961, when Peggy was 12 years old, is when she lost her coach, William Kipp, to that uh, airplane crash uh sabina flight 548 um shortly after that she started she was coached by carlo fossi um interesting thing about that was the outfit that she wore in that in the 19 um pretty what year it was the outfit she wore in her olympic gold contest was was made yeah was made by her mother and used the color liqueur color um, that made her a, a fan favorite with the French there. Um, she was the only American to win the gold medal in the 1968 Winter Olympics. Um, it signally returned to the American dominance in the sport of women's figure skating following that tragic airplane crash. Um, Peggy would go on to dominate figure skating, winning um, gold in 1968 Grenoble Olympics. She won gold in uh, 1968 World Championships, 1967 World Championships, 68 World Championships, and she won a bronze in 1965 in the World Championships. She was um, she won a gold in the 1967 North American Championships and a, a silver in the 1965 Championships. Um, Fleming was the first U.S. skater in any discipline to win a medal in the World Championships and Olympic Winter Games following the 1961 plane crash. She skated at the 1986 unveiling of the restored Statue of Liberty. She was invited to the White House by four different administrations 
and 1980 became the first skater to ever perform there. She won the 2003 Vince Lombardi Award for Excellence, um, exemplifies the spirit of the coach. She was honored at the 1999 by Sports Illustrated, an elite group of seven athletes who changed the game, along with Arnold Palmer, Billy Joe King, or Billy Jean King, sorry, and Jackie Robinson. She was named ABC Athlete of the Year in 1967. She was the AP Female of the Year in 1968. She provides commentary to figure skating on ABC Sports since 1981. She signed a $500,000 contract following the Olympic win to perform in traveling shows. Um, she, in 1988, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, she became an advocate in breast cancer awareness. Um, she ended up marrying her, her husband then, Dr. Greg Jenkins, who also was a skater. Um, that's how they met in 1970. They have two kids. Um, she says her quote is, on facing breast cancer, this is another kind of competition, but I'm being coached by an excellent team, and I've got a real strong competitive spirit. So, Dan, in, in your opinion, do you, do you think she was as good as, let's say, Katarina Witt and maybe uh, like Sonia Henney? I mean, is she mm. up there with there. I mean, they're considered the two greatest. Yeah, you know, and it's it, it's always hard in any sport to to, to compare generational, you know, um, the years. But but the thing about her was, for for one, you know, Joe mentioned a three time world champion, but also so the only gold medal from the United States in 68 in Grenoble. Um, but, but the thing that, you know, um, that it always, at least for me, you see athletes like that. And Peggy, I, I've gotten to know her. Uh, every athlete I've been lucky enough that we're going to talk about tonight, I've been lucky enough to get to know just because we end up doing things together. But she's just a wonderful, wonderful person. She gives back. She does a lot of charity work. But so she, you know, she became, uh, you know, obviously I was three in 1968, but, um, but I understand what she did for the sport of figure skating for, you know, she was like, you know, in later years, you know, maybe like what Mary Lou Retton did for gymnastics or, you know, she was that name. She was the name that everybody knew um, if you mentioned figure skating and that's, that says a lot. And, and what that does for a sport that's, you know, all of these winter sports, including mine, are, are unfortunately, you know, sports that um, most Americans only watch once every four years. And, and I wish it were different, but it, but it's not. Uh, if you go to Europe, we're on all the time. I mean, people in the Netherlands and Norway, they watch amateur sports over there and they love it. Uh, it's different over here. So when you get a, an amateur athlete that every American knows, it, it's a big deal. Brian, let me ask you, because you're going to be representing as an honorable mention later on, uh, Michelle Kwan. So the younger generation today, they, they it seems like they've kind of maybe forgotten Peggy Fleming. Has the popularity of, of some of these, I guess not so much younger skaters anymore, but Kwan, Lipinski, Yamaguchi, has the popularity kind of maybe pushed Peggy to the, to the back burner with, with the younger generation? I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, in some ways, it's just, I mean, first off, figure skating is, is difficult because 
it's it's more subjective. I mean, I know the judges are experts, but like the you know the average guy has a tough time maybe telling you know if somebody did a really good job or not. It's not like with speed skating where you have an actual time, you have an actual figure, or, or something like that that you can that you can look at an actual score. For this, you know, for this, it's it's a little bit more difficult. So, I mean, that being said, I think that's why it's not like it's not like um, you know Michelle Kwan is out there breaking her record, so to speak. It's not like you know it's it's like I said because it's subjective. So with that, you know, with, with that aspect of it, I think that's what makes these, uh, it makes, you know, figure skating in particular, you know, the the uh, the elder folks, you know, kind of forgotten a little bit more. I, I agree. Totally agree. All right, let's move on to Apollo Ono. I'm, I'm representing Apollo tonight. So Apollo, he started skating when he was 13 years old, which actually that's, that's kind of old um, if you, think about athletes and what age they normally start. But uh, after watching the 94 Olympics, which of course Dan Jansen was in, um, he started skating. And then in 1997, he became the youngest person to win the overall U.S. Senior Championship. So quite an accomplishment at a young age. Then uh, 2002 Olympics qualification, um, there was a little race controversy, let's say. Um, but I, I'm, Kevin likes to bring up the dirt, so that's why I'm throwing that out there now. Um, you know, claims were all dismissed against him that, you know, he, uh, you know, he might have let somebody win from the American team just so they would qualify. That was kind of what was being said, but everything was dropped. So just throw that out there. So now in the Olympics, he's won two golds, two silvers, four bronze. That's a total of eight medals in the Olympics, of course. Um, he's got world championships. He's got eight golds, seven silvers, six bronze. And then he's got some team championships too, where he's got a gold and a bronze. And then the world junior championships, he has a gold. So he's got just medals at the wazoo, so to speak. Um, but you know, he was, he was a dominant skater, very dominant. Um, he did the 1500, the thousand and the 500 meter races. He could have had another silver in the 2010 games. He finished second, but he was disqualified um, for impeding another skater. It was kind of an iffy call, in, in my opinion. Um, I know he didn't really agree with it either. But uh, he's just an amazing skater. Of course, good-looking guy. Lots of endorsements. He won Dancing with the Stars. I can't tell you how many athletes we've talked about on this show that won Dancing with the Stars. Um, and they were the first couple to ever score a perfect score. I mean, outside of skating, he has built a legacy that's still going on. I'm pretty sure he's hosting some game shows, you know. So the whole point of Legacy Battle, too, is just to not just see maybe who the best athlete was, but, you know, part of their legacy is, you know, what can they do outside of skating? You know, he's now a commentator for the Olympics. Um, during his career, he's credited with being, you know, the face of the sport and popularizing it. Um, I remember him doing the subway commercials after, you know, that was kind of unusual to see, you know, not um, a figure skater or someone of that magnitude. We had the, the, the speed racer on there. So that was good. And he's a huge philanthropist, of course, and uh, he volunteers with the Special Olympics. So he's a part of that. And he's even been uh, a global ambassador for the Special Olympics. So just an incredible skater. Seems like an incredible person from from everything we know about him. And, and as I mentioned, he's a, he's a real good looking guy. He, he can, uh, very talented, can, can host shows and everything. So 
Dan, uh, shorter tracks than what you're used to, or smaller, I said we should say, condensed. Mm. How does uh, how does that type of style speed skating differ from what you did? So it, it's um, short tracks done on a, on a hockey rink, um, and ours is a 400 meter oval. So you know you can fit two two hockey rinks inside our oval. So it's obviously all turns, you know, they, um, I did it when I was a kid, we kind of all did and Americans grew up skating in, back then it was indoor and outdoor um, until they started building long tracks <laughs> indoor as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's such a, the thing about short track is, um, well, I mean, as you, you guys all know, you've watched it enough, I'm sure it's, uh, there's a lot, a lot of luck involved in terms of because every race is kind of the same. 500 is all go from the gun. Other than that, every race they kind of sit there until about four or five laps to go, and then they they fight for position and then they sprint to the end. Um, and so almost every time, if somebody gets knocked down or somebody, which which actually makes it. Um, pretty amazing uh the success that apollo had because it's it's very difficult you know the, you can get taken out or you can you know get disqualified or whatever um and it happens a lot like nowadays watching short track i get annoyed because they can't even they can't even call like they'll cross the finish line and they won't even officially call a winner until they look at all the video and see if somebody got disqualified i mean it's like it takes away from the, you know, the immediate gratification of, of seeing a winner. Um, but it's super fun to watch. It's super exciting and a lot of strategy. So in long track, uh, we don't get to, other than one little bit on the backstretch, if it happens, you, you can draft off the, your competitor. Short tracks all sitting in a pack, sprinting at the end. So uh, sprinters can do well there as well because 1500 is the longest they go. So. Um, it's it's totally different sport, but really exciting. And Apollo, he definitely uh, put it on the map in the United States for sure. Kevin, I, I'm interested in your opinion on this. You and I were hockey players, you know. Obviously, we like to hit. You can't hit in speed racing, but the whole impeding it, it actually affected Apollo twice in Olympics, once for, once against him. Um, you know, do you kind of feel like maybe that takes some of the sport out of it, not being able to block a racer? Like if this was NASCAR, you can block racers from getting around. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, they're not wearing any padding. <laughs> so, you know, and they're traveling at very high speed compared to, um, you know, ice hockey players can skate fast too, but – they're traveling a lot faster and in a shorter space that's condensed with um, guys like right up against them. Uh, you, you tap somebody and you could potentially kill them, paralyze them as they slide into the side or whatever. I mean, anything could happen. I know uh, in 2002, there was a, a race where he got into a collision. He still ended up winning a silver medal uh, in that, that race. Um, but he probably would have won gold in that one too, um, if it wasn't for that collision. But uh I mean, it's kind of hard to not put a little put a little roller jam into it, you know, go along the side. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would be great. I, I just think I think it's a safety thing, and 
I don't know, to put to be bumping people out there with no padding on. I don't know. I just think it's kind of dangerous, actually. But um, I, I know if I was racing, I'd be bumping people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dan, have you raced on those tracks ever? Have you ever tried that? Yeah, I skated short track really until I was, well, <laughs> uh, probably about 14. So really for first 10 years of my life, I did both. But, um, or you know, I started skating at four. So, um it's until I grew because once I grew, most most of the short trackers are pretty small in stature. Pollard's only five eight, I think, one hundred and forty pounds or something, forty five pounds. So they're small. They're smaller in stature, and once you, you're never going to see a guy my size uh, do well in short track. It's just too too small of a track. Yeah. All right. Let's move to our final athlete here. We'll have honorable mentions, of course. But uh, the man who has, let's say, the best nickname out of everyone we're debating tonight, Sean White. Yeah, so um, Sean White, uh, he's actually a, a snowboarder, skateboarder, uh, musician, jack of all trades. Um, you know, he's a snowboard half-pipe superstar uh, who became an Olympic uh, champion at age 19, and he uh, won his third Olympic gold medal at age 31. But uh, when he was born, he was actually born with a congenital heart defect, um, and he actually had to have two open-heart surgeries uh, before the age of one. Um, to, so, you know, at a young age to, to go through that, um, you know, uh, pretty impressive to where he ended up finishing his career and whatnot and he switched from skiing to snow or from yes yeah, skiing to snowboarding uh, at the age of six um and by age of seven he had actually received his first sponsorship um you know partly part of his career you know snowboarding or uh, skateboarding he actually mentored from tony hawk and tony hawk is one of the greatest skateboarders out there but skateboarding also helps you with snowboarding it's the same almost the same movements with your feet um, helps with balance. And so I think it actually helped rocket his snowboarding career. Um, you know, he had participated in the four Winter Olympics uh, in his career, uh, 2006, 2010, and 2018. Uh, he actually won uh, gold in the snowboard halfpipe event. Uh, he also participated in the Winter X Games, uh, where he won a medal every year um, starting in 2002 um, to when he, when he uh, finished. Um, he also... Uh, uh, medal, or he also uh, did Winter X Game competition through 2013. His medal count stands right now at 18. He had 13 golds, three silvers, two bronzes, uh, among uh, which he was the first to quadruple win. Uh, he had that streak uh, in the snowboard slope style, and that streak was actually uh, broken in 2007, uh, where he actually won bronze. Uh, he won the Aaron Style Contest in 2003, 2004. Three-time Olympic gold medalist, holds the record for the most X Games gold medals, most Olympic gold medals by a snowboarder. Uh, he had won 10 ESPY awards. Uh, he was the first to compete in medal in both the summer and winter X Games, which is impressive as well. First snowboarder won back-to-back gold medals at the winter X Games Super Pipe. Uh, first uh, athlete on snowboard or skis to win gold medals four years in a row at the winter X Games for the Super Pipe. First to three-peat in that as well. Uh, he holds the record for the highest score in the men's half pipe at the Winter Olympics. He actually scored a 97.75, uh, almost perfect score 
uh, in, in 2018. Um, and then he did score a perfect score at that uh, Winter X uh, Games. He scored 100 in, in the Super Pipe in 2012. The man has numerous endorsements, uh, Red Bull, Ubisoft, Hewlett Packard, American Express, Oakley, um, because he's, he's one of the greatest snowboarders to ever, you know, hit the slopes. Uh, he had an acting career. Um, he's been in numerous uh, media appearances. Um, he has a video game. Uh, when you think of snowboarding, you, th you think of Sean White. When kids are out there and they want to snowboard, they want to be like Sean White. They want to do the stunts and the tricks that he did on the half pipe. Um, man, he got uh, named uh, Writer of the Year twice in the Trans World Snowboarding uh, Magazine. Um, 2009, he was uh, made the ninth best snowboarder in the world. Um, he's done things on and off off the snow, off the skateboarding. Um, great snowboarder, great athlete, multiple medals. Um, definitely should be on this list. So, Dan, obviously I want your thoughts on Sean White, but extreme sports are, are relatively new to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like maybe the United States, because of that, has an advantage in it, especially with, you know, how rich of a country we are. You know, we can... Uh, afford to send our kids to go do those types of things. Do you, do you feel that uh, Sean might have a, a little advantage because of that over the rest of the world? I mean, uh, I'm not certain that, that that's the case today, but absolutely back in, well, 06, I guess, when he won his first gold right in Torino. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. And, and it, it's, yeah, it is, a um, you know, the extreme sports. So... <laughs> To that point, like I, I'm all for it, and I, I think he, by the way, is freaky as an athlete. Like the stuff he does. When I don't know anything about the judging and the, you know, any of that, but I know when I watch him, he goes higher. He spins like he just, he just is better. Like, and I'm, I'm not a judge, and I never will be. Um, which is another sport that's judged. So, I, you know, I, I do have an issue with those, but, but that's the way they have to do it. I get it. Um, but you know he, um, this guy, and then and then so he wins in 06, and then in Vancouver, and then yep. again, Korea years after that. Yeah, he didn't win in Sochi, but he um, but then last time in Pyeongchang. So uh, the fact that he is the longevity he's had is crazy. Now he's uh, he might make the skateboard team, right? I don't know, but for the next for next year in Tokyo, I don't know, mm -hmm. but he's amazing. Kevin, do you know, is he still planning on coming back for the next Winter Olympics? Because I haven't heard that he's retired or anything. No, there was rumors that he uh, might make an appearance at the Tokyo Games. Yeah. Huh. We'll see. Yeah. Joe, let me, let me ask you, you know, Sean has, he's got some prior rests. He has some other stuff in, in his background. Do you, do you feel that maybe might taint his legacy a little bit? Uh, I don't think so. I mean... Any, any pro athlete is going to have some kind of skeleton in the closets or the majority. Um, so, I mean, I look at what you've done on the court, on the ice, or, or whatever their sport is, as as it being it. Now, if they if they break rules in that sport, then, yes, I would have a concern with that. But off the street, you know, it, it, off off the street kind of thing, I don't really have a concern. 
It, just, just to piggyback on what Joe was saying, it, it almost kind of like with, you know, X Games is almost kind of like a rebellious kind of sport anyway. It's almost like a, an Olympic alternative is kind of how it started. So these things that, you know, this trouble he got into actually kind of helped his image, I think, because, you know, it's kind of made him into sort of this bad boy, this sort of, you know, rebel or rogue. Kind so of like, a great yeah. type. So, right, yeah. right, in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, to that point, and that's what I was—I was, I forgot in mid-sentence before. But my point was that, like, I wanted to talk to some of these athletes that came from the X Games and and now are Olympians, and and I just wanted so badly for them to have an understanding of of what the Olympics are and what they mean to us. You know, I, I don't even—I I feel like some of them just came, came in. Oh, here's just another competition. Yeah, it's cool. We can we can do this now and. Um, you know, I had the same issue with a little bit with, you know, with professionals, you know, with dream team and that kind of thing. And even, you know, golf, I, I'm, I love the fact that they're doing it, but my point is, look, if, if that's, if this is the fifth most important competition of your season, then please don't come because we train, you know, for years for, for that one day. And then we got to wait another four years to do it. And, and so uh, there's there's so many different things that go into each sport being part of the games, but uh, it is what it is. And now you have to have these uh, extreme sports, or, or you know the Olympics are going to go away. I understand people now, especially Americans, they they don't want to watch my sport. They don't want to watch speed skating. It's boring to them. I think you know. And and uh, I still and, love it. I, I love it, but. I watch, well, I watch it every day. You know, a lot. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. But it's uh, hopefully that that won't be the case. We'll keep it going. I love that you brought up the professional athletes being being in the Olympics now. Um, coach Herb Brooks, of course, a winter coach for the USA hockey team. You know, he he said that you know dream teams have taken away the dream. You know. Uh, of what the Olympics were about, you know? So I, I, I agree with that. Uh, it does help USA hockey contend because yeah. they weren't <laughs> contending beforehand uh, yeah. other than that 1980, which of course, you know, the miracle, but um, yeah, I, I don't know, Brian, you, I know you're big into the, the professional athletes. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I pretty much just what you said. It's just, it, it kind of, it kind of taints it a little bit. It's almost kind of you want to put an asterisk beside it because, you know, the, the idea of the Olympics in the very beginning was was about amateurs, amateur sports. I mean, you go way back to Jim Thorpe. I mean, he got he got his medals stripped from him because he did just a little bit of professional sports, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, that's what the idea, how it was established. I mean, I understand that, you know, things change, society changes. I get all that. But, you know, if you just want to get to the true roots of, the, of what the Olympics is all about, professionals really don't belong there. Right. Well, before we move on to our honorable mentions, let's uh, do tonight's trivia question. If you're a prior winner, you are ineligible. Please put the answers in the Facebook group page. Uh, first one to get it right, we'll mail out your prize to you. So who played... Name, name the actors or actresses for this one. Who played Tanya Harding in I, Tanya? Who played Jesse Owens in Race? And who played Dan Jansen in A Brother's Promise? <laughs> so get all three of those. We'll get that mailed out to you. And then before we have our honorable mentions, I just want to say this. 
that if Dan Jansen hadn't been on our show, he would have either been represented on the four greatest or at least in the honorable mentions. But because he's on the show, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't want to look a little biased. So. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be right on there. <laughs> um, Kevin, we'll start with your honorable mention. Yeah, Scotty Hamilton. Uh, man, I enjoyed watching him skate. Um, you know, Olympic skater, gold medalist, won four consecutive U.S. championships from 81 to 84, uh, four consecutive world championships in the same time frame, uh, and won a gold medal in the 84 Olympics. And, I mean, who can forget his signature move, the backflip, um, which is actually <laughs> no – not illegal uh, to do uh, in competition, um, but he would do it in his exhibitions kind of as like a crowd pleaser. Um, and his footwork on the ice, you know, the man looked like he was dancing. Like it was so natural to Scotty Hamilton. Um, I loved watching him skate. And I, I remember not too long ago he was on uh, something and uh, he did the black the backflip. And um, it's just, it's crazy to do a backflip on ice skates. I couldn't even imagine. And I played ice hockey. Like, I could never see myself doing a backflip. But he definitely deserves the honorable mention. And he is by far the best announcer for figure skating. Like, I'm listening to him, and he gets me fired up. Like, he, he is so, <laughs> so good at announcing. <laughs> Joe, go ahead. Who's your honorable? My honorable mention was Lindsey Vaughn. Um, she was a, uh, a ski, a skier. Um, she's, she was on skis at the age of two. Um, when she was nine years old, she met Olympic gold medalist Peekabo Street, whom she considers her hero and role model. Um, she won three medals in the Olympics, one of them being gold. She won eight medals, two of them in world championships, um, in the world cups. She's, uh, skied for 19 seasons and had 82 wins. Um, she was on 137 podiums, four overall titles from the years 2008 through 10 and 2012, and had 16 the discipline, discipline titles. Um, so that's why my honorable mention. And Pika Boo Streets, she was a finalist for tonight's show, and we always got to narrow these things down. She she almost made this show. Um, so I have Eric Hyden. He might be one of Dan's inspirations. I don't know. We'll have to ask him in a second here. But, uh, you know, Eric Hyden, five gold medals at Lake Placid, the 1980 Olympics. You know, that was the big USA versus Russia Olympics. Of course, he's a long track speed skater. Um, you know, set four Olympic records and a world record. Uh, and he was able to win in both sprint and long distance events, which is – very hard to do, um, you know, so he's done both that. ESPN ranked him 46th of the 50 greatest athletes of the 20th century. So we're talking every sport. He's in that list. Um, you know, he's got um, – he's in the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame and, you know, world championships all around. He's got three golds and a silver. And in the sprint, he's got four golds. So an incredible, incredible long track speed skater. Dan, was, was he somebody that you had, had looked up to? I mean, 100%. Any, any speed skater. Look, I mean, uh, if, if – well, you guys got me on here for my opinion, so I'm going to throw it out there. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> beyond – like, there's not even a second place 
he's he's not an honorable mention. He's the, on the other part of your show, and there's nobody close to what Eric Hyden did. And the reason I say that, so, well, first of all, you can you can name all the the number of uh, world championships and so forth. But Eric retired. He was only 21, and he retired. He went then he went on to ride in the Tour de France. Um, he wants so think about this. Uh, yeah, he won. 77 he was in 76 games as a 16 year old i think 17 and then the next year he won the junior worlds the world all around and the world sprints nobody's ever done that he did it he did it two times then um but in in the olympics as you said to win the 500 meters and the 10,000 meters in every race in between think about usain bolt winning the 100 and the 10k and and the 15 and the 800 it's it's so beyond comprehension, and again, I know our sport's not popular, so nobody knows what this is. He got overshadowed by the hockey team because, and you know, he loved it too. He was at the game. I just was skiing with Eric last weekend. Um, unbelievable what he did. It'll never be done again. It just just can't be. And uh, but yeah, in in answer to your question, he was a he was a hero of mine, and. Uh, you know, anybody who's ever put on a pair of skates needs to know who Eric Hyden is. I, I think with us, he probably would have been in our our, our first four if it was more than one Olympics. Hmm. I think that that's kind of why we, we had him on the honorable. Brian, who's your honorable? Oh, well, you mentioned it earlier, uh, figure skater Michelle um, Kwan. Um, you know, she won the gold in the 1994 World Juniors. Um Won a gold, two silvers at the Goodwill Games, a gold and four silvers at the Grand Prix Final, uh, silver and a bronze at the Olympics, um, world championships, five golds, three silvers, one bronze. That's nine total medals, which is an all-time record. Figure skater of the year seven times. Um, and, and my particular favorite, and she only got a silver for it, which is the way I mentioned about the judges being kind of subjective because most people, or a lot of people thought it deserved a gold. But in uh, 2002, her uh, Fields of Gold performance was just unbelievable. I mean, you couldn't see an error. You couldn't see anything wrong with what she did. She took a lot of chances. It was a very emotional performance for her, too. And, uh, you know, what really struck me was whenever she finally wrapped things up, you could see the tears streaming down her, her cheeks because she was so thrilled and happy that she had just, you know, given this perfect performance. So uh, Michelle Kwan, I, I just got to get, I got to give her a shout out. I mean, she's just a, a great competitor and an and amazing figure skater. So totally subjective. You look at 94, Nancy Kerrigan skated the perfect race. Oksana Bayol gets the gold, even though she fell. So it's just mm-hmm. like, I, that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. But <laughs> yeah. Dan, anybody you'd like to honorable mention? Oh, man. Um uh, you know what, that part I didn't think about before I got on here, so I, I got nothing off the top of my head, but, um, no, it's just been fun. I love the fact that you guys, you know, even take time to do this because our, you know, uh, we just, uh, I'm a, obviously a huge Olympic fan and crazy about it and always have been, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's nice to, nice to hear you guys talk about some athletes that don't, you know, don't always get recognized for the, for their talent. Okay, let's move into our vote then, and uh, we'll start uh, with Kevin up there. Who's you voting for? I was uh, debating between uh, Bonnie and Apollo. Um, besides uh, Sean White, they they've 
achieved a lot of medals and and, and stuff in their careers. Um, I love speed skating. I love watching speed skating. Um, it, you know, when I watched Apollo Ono, like he was always the one that was like, "We have a chance at a medal," because Apollo was our guy. So I'm gonna have to go with Apollo Ono. Okay. So I am going with Bonnie Blair. Um, in my opinion, Bonnie is the biggest female Olympic athlete uh, in America, uh, at least. And saying that, knowing that she wasn't a figure skater or a woman's hockey player, and she was able to reach the greatness that she has, everybody knows Bonnie Blair. You know, that that's incredible. That that is incredible. As Dan has said all night, you know, the the long track speed skating isn't one of the bigger sports in the United States and she reached like superstardom. So I'm voting for Blair. Brian. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean if I could I'd go for Blair as well, but um uh I'm gonna go with Sean White just because he put an entire, you know, an entire section of, of the Olympics on the map, really. Um, you know, it's just something that, that, you know, was not part of the, the whole entire scene. And, you know, and really when you think of X Games, he's the first guy that really comes to mind. So uh, I'm going to go with him. Okay. Joe? Well, um, let's see. I, I was kind of leaning towards Bonnie Blair. However, um, my little brother was a skateboarder. I've seen some of the tricks that he d used to do, and I couldn't do it. Um, to see what Sean White has done and can do on both levels, um, the skateboard. Um, and, I mean, Kevin said, you know, skateboarding and, and, you know, snow skiing is almost the same thing. And it's, it's, it's a little different. You have wheels for one that could hit a rock or whatever. But um, just the amazing fact that the tricks that those guys do and Sean was probably top notch um, in both of those, you know. So, I, you know, it's a tough, tough call, but I've got to go with Sean White. Okay. Dan? Oh, you know, I got to go. Well, since I can't do Eric, I, I got to go uh, Bonnie. I, I'll go with Bonnie because so the – the three-peat is really, really, really rare. And Bonnie won 500 meters in three successive Olympics, 88, 92, 94. And, uh, you know, aside from or 1,000 meters as well. But um, And here's one interesting tidbit that uh, people would never think. Quite possibly the best Olympic race Bonnie ever skated, she goes fourth. <laughs> she got fourth place in the 1,500 meters. Um which wasn't her race at all. She just, you know, happened to, she was best American, but uh, she skated unbelievable and almost got on the podium that we knew how good she was in the 500 and there, you know, none of the ladies could really touch her in those races. But when she almost got on the podium in the 1500 was, it was really, really amazing. So that is one vote for Apollo Ono, two for Sean White, two for Bonnie Blair. The special guest voted for Blair. So the win goes to Bonnie Blair tonight, because we always give the special guests the right. extra benefit of the doubt. I'll call her tomorrow. I'll tell her she <laughs> Another minute. There you go. All right, let's move into our Q&A. Kevin, you're up. Yeah, so um, 
I, 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 like I said, I love watching speed skating, and um, uh, that's awesome uh, that you're a speed skater because, I mean, that it's so exciting, especially when it comes down to, like, that final lap and, and they're coming around, like, you're on edge. Like, it's it's <laughs> it's exciting to, to watch. And uh, so, uh, how, how, how does it feel, like, the competition and everything? I, I know nowadays, like, Netherlands is, like, the dominant yeah. country in speed skating, at least from what I've noticed. Um, you know, when you were competing, was there a country that, you, you know – competition was pretty crazy against or was there like a specific country that stood out to you as like that's who we need to beat uh yeah and it it, it went by kind of by distance so the sprints 501,000 meters was americans have always been strong in that the american men um and the russians and so and then it, for me it was a russian and then a former east german um uh but the best part about it is these guys are my great friends to this day. You know, I mean, so we, we competed and we, you know, all that stuff. But but after all these years, we still communicate. We still, you know, reach out to each other. And just, you know, that those are the things that you, you just wouldn't trade for, for anything. I was hoping that you could tell us uh, tell us about your charity. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, our younger viewers, you know, might not be a little familiar with your story. Right. So could you just tell us how that charity started. Yeah. So my sister, my, the youngest of my five sisters, I'm the youngest of, the, of nine, but my my sis, my youngest sister was diagnosed with leukemia about a year before my second Olympics, and uh, I went in there as a favorite for gold and. She happened to pass away. She lost her battle, a uh, year-long battle, and she passed away in the morning in my race in uh, 1988. And, uh, and I fell that evening and again four days later in the 1,000 meters. So anyway, when I finally retired and finally won my gold medal, my last chance in, in 1994, uh, you know, I always knew I was going to do something to give back. But after that, I started uh, Dan Jansen Foundation. And within the foundation, we have what's called a family aid fund. So when Jane was sick, um, she had to have her bone marrow transplant in Seattle. Well, we're from Wisconsin. Um, you know, I, I'm not there anymore, but that's where I grew up and lived most of my life. And so my brother and sisters and my parents lived in Seattle for almost a year, traveling back and forth. And I saw the expense that that created. And, you know, again, with nine kids, my dad was a police officer. My mom was a nurse, so we didn't come from money. Um, and so the Family Aid Fund, long story here, but it, we, we, we help families that with non-medical expenses, with their travel, with their room and board, with their gas bills, with electric bills. You know, a lot of parents have to quit their jobs while their sons or daughters are getting treated and they're, they can't pay their bills, and so we we do that, and it's been it's been rewarding. We've gone, we've helped uh, close to a thousand families now, and uh, given away over a million dollars. So it's uh, it's been it's been a nice ride. And there's a, a link to donate on the website. Yeah, yeah, djfoundation.org, and uh, if you go to that, you can find the stuff. So yeah, thank you. Excellent, Brian. Go ahead. Um. After you won the gold uh, in '94, after you know everything that went down, I, I, you know, I, first off, I mean there was there was a lot of negativity in the press, a lot of things that were you know maybe not nice things that were said about you. Um, 
once you finally won, was did you feel any kind of resentment towards those folks that maybe weren't behind you while you were struggling? You know, um, it just, I understand it's a very fair question. And I certainly was aware of some, (laughs) some of the negativity and, uh, you know, but it's just, it's just not worth it. It's like the people who are writing those things, they really don't get it. Like, I mean, they don't get it. There would be the same person that turned around, you know, literally the, the next week and, they want, now they want advice from me. You know, I was the biggest choker in the Olympics, and now now I'm I'm this expert on on the mental side of things. <laughs> like, well, which is it? You know, it's like um, so. I just sort of let that go, but it's it was there for sure, and you just sort of have to kind of take the high road, which is what I chose to do. And you know, I. I I, every time, you know, and, and the people that really knew me knew, look, I just just was out there doing my best. And, and every athlete, you know, has, has a story. It's not always, doesn't always play out in front of the world like mine did the, the, the tough times, but um, everyone goes through their times and, and, you know, we get through them the best we can. Joe, go ahead. Um, so you were inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you? That was pretty amazing. Uh, actually, the same night as Bonnie, we got inducted together. Um, because the thing about that is, you know, and that's another thing that, you know, the Olympic Hall of Fame obviously doesn't get the press that, a you know, NFL or baseball gets. But um, when I, you know, when I look at the names of the people in there, these are – true, true legends of sport um, that, you know, my name gets to be alongside it. it it's uh, occasionally, so actually, <laughs> this is a weird story, but I ride, uh, ride the Peloton a lot, and right next to where my bike is, is a, a poster from that evening from, from the Hall of Fame night, and it's got little pictures of, of all the people in there, and so, you know, I'm looking at pictures of from, you know, Bob Beeman to, you know, uh, I mean, any, name them, any, any uh, athlete, American athlete you can, you can name. And, and it's, you know, and then I see my little picture in there next to him and it's like, what? And like, it was, it's pretty cool. That, that's, that's a great question. And, and these are, that's why I like doing little things like this. Cause you guys, you kind of get it, you know, you talk about the Sullivan award and, you know, I, uh, that is another thing that I was super proud of and nobody, you know, nobody even knows what it is for, for the most part, unless you're a diehard sports fan, but um, pretty cool stuff. We, we love Olympics on this show. We had um, Tessa Gobo. She won a gold in rowing. We mm-hmm. did like a summer Olympics thing as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we, we love talking all sports on this show for sure. Um, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, so I know um, you had took up speed skating, um, and uh, you were inspired by your sister. You said, "So, how how do you actually get started in speed skating? Like, what what does someone need to do if they wanted to to go to the Olympics for speed skating? How do you get started, and what do you do?" Yeah, so um, it was a little different for me because when I grew up, I grew up in suburb Milwaukee, and uh, at that time there was exactly one speed skating oval in the United States. And I, I, I mean, there's been, there's some on lakes that were frozen and so forth, but artificial um, 
400 meter track and it was two miles from my home. And so, uh, yeah, you know, we, it was big in the Midwest when I grew up the clubs in Illinois and Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin. And, um, so that was kind of the weekend races on, you know, we'd travel and most of them would come to Milwaukee, but, um, you know, now <laughs> it's, if you, if you want to be a speed skater and that long track, so short track, you can pretty much do in any city that has a hockey rink. Um, but long track, there's still, they've covered Milwaukee. So that's indoors and Salt Lake city is indoors. The only two, um, indoor ovals in the United States. So, and there's a couple others like Placid and one in St. Paul, Minnesota and Butte, Montana. But so, you pretty much have to relocate to train in one of those towns if you're gonna be a speed skater. A lot of skaters these days <clears throat> have come from inline. In fact, Apollo came from inline skating. You know, you mentioned he started when he was 13. That was on the ice. He was an inline right. skater before that. And a lot of today's skaters are, are taking that route because inline doesn't have, they, there's no inline skating in the Olympics. And so they wanna to go to the Olympics. So they turn to the ice. And many of them have had a lot of success. It's been uh, actually good for our sport and good for us because it is getting tougher these days to, like I say, recruit speed skaters. But I tell you what, like with all the other, you know, professional sports and the money and just things like whatever kids these days, it's a hard sport. Like it, it's hard, you know, it, it's, it's really you train super hard. It's, so you have to, you have to have a different mentality, I think, to, to do it. And kids are like, yeah, I'd rather, and, and now I'd rather do what Sean White does. I'd rather do flips on boards or, you know, so it's a, it's, I, I fear for our sport a little bit in, in the future. I hope it, we keep some numbers going, but it's, um, it's tough as I look to the future. Brian? I understand that you, you've spent a couple of seasons as a skating coach for the Blackhawks. Um, what was that like putting on a different hat, putting on that coaching hat? It was awesome. I had so much fun. So these guys, you know, we we would always, we, we love watching hockey, but we would marvel at, um, <laughs> this sounds bad, but uh, technically, and, and this is changing and it has changed over the years, but years ago, technically getting from here to there, they, they're just not very efficient at all. Like we spend our whole lives every single day about trying to take a tenth of a second off. And so it's all about technique and they just kind of scrap their way down the ice. And now agility wise, they could do circles around us um, and turning to the right. <laughs> they're much better turning to the right. We only go left, but, um, but so it was fun to teach them just technique and where their power actually comes from and, and how to be efficient. So, you know, now by the, by the third period, they got some gas left because they didn't, haven't wasted so much energy during the, during the course of the game. So it was really fun. I had a blast with the guys. They loved it. Um, and they learned a lot as well. And, um, year after I left, they, they won the Stan, Stanley cup. So there you go. <laughs> Are you familiar with Connor McDavid? Uh, yes, not a lot. I, I certainly know the name. I was just wondering, like, maybe he's considered the fastest skater in the NHL. Do you think those guys could keep up with you Olympic athletes in a race or no? So it, it, it would depend. Um, 
if there's turns, forget about it. We, we kill them. Um, if, you know, and if we're on hockey skates, so we can skate on hockey skates, they can't skate on speed skates. Um, but if you put a fast speed skater on, on some hockey skates, then it would be fun because they're quick. They're not, they're not efficient to, to, to lengthen their stride. We, we, once we get going, we need to, we need to lengthen out or you're going to, you know, run out of energy real quick. They more, they're more quick and they run. Um, but there were some great, you know, efficiency. Mike Madonna, I loved watching him. He just kind of glided around and, you know, he, um, some guys are quick, you know, quick feet and other guys just kind of understood, uh, you know, use their power and, and um, save some energy. Joe, go ahead. So, you know, being a coach, coach in high school, it's all about team. So my question would be this, um, in any Olympics that you were involved in, um, did you guys as Team USA, you know, would you go watch like gymnastic teams and cheer the USA team on or, or other teams? Or was it just after you got done doing what you guys did, you guys had other things going on? Or what was that like? So in atmosphere. it was um, – we it, – it sort of depended on when in the games you competed. Like if you – you always kind of wanted to have your competition in the first week because then you're after that you're done and and then that's exactly what you do. You go to every hockey game you can go to. You go see whatever you whatever sport you like. The teammates that you meet in the village, you you, know, you try to go support them. It was awesome. If you know if if your races are in the second week and I, I had it both ways, then you you want to, but it's it's not always wise to you know. To, to be going out and, uh, you know, know how long it's going to take some transportation. You know, you might get stuck. It's a four or five hour uh, type thing. So you, you're, you know, you're not getting the rest you need. But, um, but it, yeah, absolutely. If uh, most of the athletes love to, to go out and see the others because, you know, we don't get to see, we see the skaters all year round from every country, but not from the other sports, you know, so. It was fun just to, to meet all these guys at the games and then to, to watch them compete. So we'll get you out of here at this tonight. So the way that the Olympics fell, it was every four years, but then it went 92, then it went 94 because the, the vote had changed something there in 94. So if it hadn't occurred in 94, my question is for you is, is you would have continued training all the way to 96. So... Um, most likely, yes, uh, almost, almost a hundred percent. Yes. Um, but I will say this. So in 92, it was, you know, it was really tough when I, I didn't win, um, in 92, but knowing that there was another games in 94, by the time I left Alberville, I knew I was continuing. If it would have been four more years, I wouldn't have been able to make the decision that quick because number one, it's, it was heartbreaking and you're, you know, you've, you've trained every single day. This is it. And didn't go my way. And he just, it's like, I can't, I can't even think about doing this again. I can't. And what if it happens again, you know? And, um, but this time, since it was two years, my coach and I both said, he, he's like, look, if you're in, I'm in. And I said, well, if you're in, I'm in. So we, we decided right there and then. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dan Jansen, for joining us tonight. I want to encourage everybody to go onto that website of his. That's djfoundation.org. 
check it out. You, you can read up more about obviously Dan, but uh, you know, donate on that charity link. We appreciate it. He's going to appreciate it and it's going to go to a great cause. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, just hit that subscribe button while you're watching this and join that Facebook group as well. So thank you and good night. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Thanks guys. Enjoyed it.